This is Bishop Michael Curry, and you're listening to The Way of Love. In this episode, we're talking about the practice we call learn. Reflect on scripture each day, especially Jesus's life and teachings. May the way open before you. May you see beyond darkness and light to the love you are, to the love you bring into the world. Welcome back to The Way of Love, a podcast from the Episcopal Church about following Jesus and changing the world. I'm Sandy Milieng, and I'm here with Kai Oliver. Thanks, Sandy. As always, in season one, we are talking about one of the way of love practices, uh, turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, and rest. And today we are jumping into the practice learn. Right. So we're going to start with scripture. And then at the end of the show, we'll get back and talk a little bit about other kinds of learning. So to start us off, Kyle, do you have a favorite passage of scripture that you can share with us? Yeah, this is one that that often uh, comes to me, and it's uh, it's Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. I I like a few things about this passage, but it's one of the options for funerals in the Episcopal Church. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I don't know how often it gets used, but um, but we used it at my grandmother's funeral. I just hear that phrase, um, oaks of righteousness. And I, I like the idea of thinking of my grandmother as one of those, you know, of this <laughs> sort of tree, you know, rooted deeply and standing tall. And I think of her sort of legacy in my life um, whenever, I, whenever I hear those verses. That's, I love that. That's great. Mine, it's a little, <laughs> I, I don't know different in our church we are we have a yearly slogan that we uh say every sunday to remind people uh about what we're about this year to or or our message for this year our goal for this year and um the one we chose is matthew chapter 12 verses 33 to 37 but the part that i uh like the most is the second half of verse 34 that says um for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks I like that because it's teaching me a lot about uh, my behavior and the importance and the impact of the words that I speak. And being a young adult and, you know, you're, you're at this point in your life still deciding um, where to go and what to do. And a lot of times there's a lot of pressure coming to you and people ask a lot of questions and you just don't know how to answer. And it's it's very overwhelming. <laughs> words show a lot of who we are, our character, uh, and we're constantly revealing um, to those around us who we are, but what we say at this point in my life, um, I need to, to ask God for a clean and, and peaceful heart so that I get to share, uh, blessings and not curses to people, (laughs) you know, around me. (laughs) 
so those are a couple of passages that have been meaningful for us. Now we want to back up a little bit on a super basic level. If, if you want to make daily scripture reading a part of your spiritual life, how do you do that? Bishop Curry's gonna gonna break that down for us. Yeah, one you know our approach is not to try to don't bite off the whole thing. Take maybe a chapter, but maybe just you know seven or eight verses of a chapter um, where it finishes a story, if you will. Sometimes you may have to look to see, but just that will be significant reading it. Now, one of the things that um, I encourage, and I, I don't do it all the time because it depends on where I'm reading scripture, is if possible, read it out loud if you can feel comfortable doing that. We were all taught in school that, you know, we read out loud in first and second grade, but but later on you were supposed to read silently. Well, the ancient way of reading was actually to read out loud. Well, if you're reading out loud, you actually digest the words. Yeah, more of your body's involved. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And somehow other senses are involved than just the immediacy of the mind itself. The ears have to hear it. Um, it's like you have to experience the text a little bit more than just pure cognition. <laughs> and then to spend some time with it. And it doesn't have to be a lot of time. And and there are some simple approaches uh, or questions that can be asked of any any text. There's a tradition called Lectio Divina, which is listening, uh, listening to the word, listening for the word, um, where you just simply, after you've read something, this just sit and kind of let it be for a moment. And what kind of what word, phrase, or image um, stood out? What what was it? And there's no good or bad or right or wrong. This isn't a grade school test. Yeah. Uh, but what just kind of stood out and spoke to you? And then, okay, that's that's good. And and then you might read it again. That's why I encourage you not to try to do a whole big long thing. Just mm-hmm. do a, a short part of scripture. Read it again, and and hear what. What was Jesus saying, or what's the gospel writer saying, or what's the writer of the scripture? What did they? What were they kind of literally saying? I mean, at least as far as you can figure out, you know, learning figure out. And then you might read it again. Now you don't have to read it three times. You can just do it once. And what word that with that word or image may be your word or image for the day. Hmm. Um, but you, if you have some time, you could read it a second time and and ask what what was the passage? What's Jesus seem to be saying? And then if you have a time, read it another time. And what might he be calling me to do? Mm. You know, what, what might? You know, yeah. don't, don't, I, I get nervous when people seem to know too much when they think they know what the Lord wants. <laughs> yeah. it's, what might he be calling you to do or yeah. be or something like that? But the idea of hearing it three different times, and, and, and a lot of people when they do this, certainly in groups, try to do, use different versions of the Bible. So you actually hear different translations and you hear different things. And in groups, groups will hear different things because everybody... Um, every different per- people will hear different words or images or ideas um, will, or phrases will pop out to different people. And it's fascinating to hear what phrase stood out to somebody. But what that is doing is less studying the scripture, um, which can be us mastering it, and more us listening to scripture and letting the word maybe master us. Mm. Listen to these verses from Matthew's Gospel. Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against the house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. 
what word or phrase sticks out to you? Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. What is Jesus saying here? What might he be calling you to do? heard you talk some about the, the sort of social dimension of scripture. Mm-hmm. So like what I'm reading here is not just about my life, right. but about the communities that I'm a part of and of, of God's relationship with this with this whole human, human family, ultimately. Mm-hmm. What, what are some ways of reading scripture that can help us be aware of those social dimensions? I think it was attributed to Karl Barth that the best way to read scripture is to read it with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and I, I think the wisdom and truth of that is to listen to Scripture and study Scripture and all of that and to uh, read the morning news or the evening news at the same time. Actually, that creates a conversation, even if it's just you inside yourself, um, between how does this Word of God connect to the reality of the world. And you don't have to have the answer to that all the time, but just living with the two in a conscious way creates the possibility of some symbiosis, some connection, some something. Can you think of a time um, when that connection was especially pronounced? You know, can you think of an example? What has happened for me has been during Holy Week. I was, soon thereafter, I was in um, Burundi, um, in Central Central Africa. And for whatever reason, during Holy Week, um, when one of the readings, morning reading prayer, or, or maybe it was a reading for the Eucharist, I can't remember, but it was from the Lamentations of Jeremiah, mm-hmm. um, which the first one in the first chapter, can be, how lonely sits the city that was once full of people or something like that. I mean, it's just a haunting image. And, and then it was like a couple of weeks later, I was in a country that had just come out of 10 years of civil war. And I, I mean, it's the one time it doesn't normally happen to me that <laughs> that close or I don't get. But literally flying into Bujumbura, I mean, it's 10 years of war and looked out of the plane. I remember looking out of the plane and it was the city was a heap of rubble and it was how lonely sits the city that was once full of people. I mean, it was just, it was like that scripture, all of it just lit up. I mean, it was now it's cause I was having an experience that got connected to a word I had heard that was in my mind. Cause I had read it a couple of weeks before, you know what yeah. I mean? It was just kind of there that it actually did. It, it did link. Um, I mean, I did hear it and, and I've more, 
now, and not to, I'm not I don't want to get into any politics right now, but 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 the, but I have had the experience of reading, especially the Gospels, and then listening to characterizations of Christianity in the public sphere, and 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 just feeling knowing that minute, there's a disconnect between what I'm reading about Jesus and what I'm hearing said about the Christian faith from Christians. <laughs> I'm not talking about somebody else talking about it, from yeah. Christians in the public sphere. Yeah. And um, that has happened even recently where I've said, wait a minute, that is, that's not the Jesus I'm hearing in these gospels. And it's something that I've been hearing in the scripture that it's like it's becoming you know how ear like certain songs become earworms. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. They just kind of hang around there, and you uh-huh. find yourself singing, humming this tune all day long. Yeah. I think kind of living with scripture, it like yeah. become can become an earworm. Yeah. And when something that's related to the condition that the scripture was addressing, even if it was another context, emerges and you run into it, whether you read it about it in the on the news or hear about it or you encounter or experience it. Then all of a sudden, it is like the Bible says, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. And then it be- can speak to me in a new way and help me maybe make sense of what I'm living right now. So we're back. And that vision that we just got from Bishop Curry of the way that you know we read scripture and and it, it sort of sits with us and we go out and we have other experiences and those experiences maybe resonate with the scripture and and the whole thing works on us over time. I, I think that's a really good way of kind of describing a Christian vision for for learning and for you know formation. I think that's why we sometimes use that word because it's not just about, you know, like sitting in the classroom or like learning new information or whatever. And and it reminds me a little bit of um, this, this this fairly well known um, Roman Catholic religious educator. She was writing, you know, in the sort of later part of the 20th century, and uh, wrote this book that's still in print um, called "Fashion Me a People." And and her whole point is that the sort of various things that we do as the church community, um, she call she calls them like curriculum almost, right? Like there's like a, a plan for how we learn. Um, so she talks about the curriculum of prayer and the curriculum of proclamation and of teaching and of fellowship and of service, like all the all the stuff that we do work together and that all of them together are like forming us uh, as individuals and and as the people of God as a whole. And one of the things that I th- think is important about what Harris says is formation, it, it it doesn't just change us like that. You know, it's this process of, of, it's a process. And that process requires that we take time for reflection. When we step back and reflect, that's where we kind of consolidate the, the, the learning that's happening all the time, but, but sometimes we don't notice it. And if we don't notice it, it's hard to kind of integrate it into our lives. So you were telling me, Sandy, about a, a cool site of, of faith learning where you were a teacher. Can you, uh, can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about that? Yeah, it was interesting, actually, because I've never experienced anything like that. Um, I spent a summer in Ecuador as an intern in an outdoor retreat center. Their vision or their purpose was to facilitate a deeper relationship with Jesus through nature and adventure. 
So during my time there as an intern, I would lead teams through different um, ropes, rope courses, like high ropes and low rope, low rope courses, uh, like, like in the summer camp type of style. Anyway, but the teams would have to work together to achieve a specific goal in the sometimes very challenging courses. And these courses required time, focus, you know, dedication, and even trusting not only yourself, but other people. I think some of those things are also demanded of our spiritual life. Um, but we, the best part of that was not only leading them through the exercise, was we facilitated and created a time for the participants to reflect as a team, but also as individuals on what God was calling them to do. What did I learn from this experience? Um, how was God helping me to reshape maybe, you know, not only myself, but the world in which I lived in? Because some of the, the activities, experiences um, were difficult. One of them was even called Jacob's Ladder. And I think it required you to use all of your senses and a lot of strength. And it was very, very challenging. Even the interns couldn't finish it. it <laughs> like we couldn't do it. It was too difficult. But it was so amazing because it was a sense of, I have to climb this ladder not by myself. I need someone else to push me through it. So how can I um, maybe put that in practice in my life? not only my spiritual life, but other aspects of my life. How am I climbing my ladder, my journey as a, as a Christian, as a, as a human being, as a child of God, you know, to live a life with purpose and having God in the center of that. So it was a cool experience because we had, we were able to use nature. I think there's just something so powerful about that idea of like, Hey, we can, we can learn about our faith through you know, trying to climb the ladder together, right? Right. <laughs> this whole this whole podcast is about you know this idea of practices, and and I think the conviction that's kind of underneath that lens is that um, yes, it's important what practices we do, and you know we should choose them wisely and in accordance with you know something about tradition and something about our own needs and and what have you, but but ultimately like the call. Um, is to is to just get out there and 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 do something right. <laughs> you know pick a practice <laughs> engage with it for a while and then see what you learn and maybe share with someone else and see if that person can maybe also put it into practice mm, yeah thanks for joining us for our episode on learn the show was produced by sandy Milia and me kyle oliver and i also served as editor Special thanks to Ana Hernandez for providing our theme and reflection music. Check out her website at anahernandez.org. You can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love it if you rate, review, or share with a friend. If you'd like to contribute music, a prayer, or feedback, write us at wayoflove at episcopalchurch.org. This is Jennifer Gamber from Washington, D.C. Oh God, from whom all wisdom flows, Guide us in the reading and reflecting on Scripture, especially on the life and teachings of Jesus. Help us to draw near to you as your word begins to dwell in us. May we open our minds and hearts to your word so that we may see your story and your work present in our everyday lives. Amen. The way of Jesus is the way of love, and the way of love can change the world.